Well, Tom Davis is going to come and bring us our reading now from Leviticus chapter 19. Well, as Neil has said, the reading this morning comes from Leviticus chapter 19, reading the entire chapter. And for those of you who have the church Bibles in the small ones, it's 121, page 121, and in the large Bible, page 168. Leviticus chapter 19, various laws. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect his mother and father and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because he has desecrated what is holy to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Give them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a man hired overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one of your people but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Do not make different kinds of animals. Do not make different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a woman who is a slave girl promised to another man but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom, there must be due punishment. Yet they are not to be put to death 
because she has not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance of the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord. With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for the sin he has committed, and his sin will be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. Do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Do not practice divination or sorcery. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Observe my Sabbaths and have reference for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. When an alien lives with you in your land, do not ill-treat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native-born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah and an honest hymn. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. Thank you, Tom. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, great to see you. Uh, if you're joining us or been away, we're um, number four now of a five-week series. Uh, we've had looked at a heart for the hurting, a heart for the vulnerable, a heart for those who are lost, who don't know Christ. Uh, today, a heart for those who are older. And then next week, at the baptismal service, a heart for those who are younger. Um, so that's where we're going. And uh, particularly, we're going to focus in on just one verse this morning, which is a verse we had in the middle of that reading. And perhaps as it's read, you might be thinking, it's, it seems rather bizarre, doesn't it? All these sort of laws, they don't seem very connected. And then in the middle of them, you just picked one. We're going to talk about it. Um, well, I have just picked one, and we are going to talk about it, but I want to show us later how actually they fit in a wider context, and that will help us to understand what they're about. But this is the verse that we're going to consider together this morning. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. Stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. Specifically this morning, I want to look at this sort of question, having a heart for those who are older, by focusing in on, on two areas. 
One is valuing those who are older. Um, because I think we have a prevailing culture that's generally speaking fairly negative towards those in an older generation. Uh, not always the case, but generally speaking. So we're going to think about what it means to value those who are older. And then secondly, we're going to think a bit about what it means to care for those who are older. Because for many people, as they grow older, there will be some legitimate struggles and strains that that brings. And it's good for us to be aware of them. I want to begin, though, by uh, describing the kind of spiritual life of a person from birth to death. I'm going to use some different verses and a few pictures on the screen. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Whether you consider yourself really young or really old, uh, you were once there in a mother's womb. It's amazing, isn't it? And life begins for us all in this kind of state of great fragility as we're born into the world. Then as we grow up, we're told in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We physically grow, of course we do, but God wants us to spiritually grow. And just like a little seedling that becomes an oak tree, the challenge is, by God's grace, am I, as I grow older, going to grow spiritually stronger? And as we saw earlier with the little time with the children and those up on the stage, giving thanks for the wisdom that years bring to so many. Then Proverbs chapter 20 verse 29 says, The glory of young men is their strength, grey hair, the splendour of the old. It's speaking of two different types of strength. A young man may be physically strong, an older man may be spiritually strong. And actually, the Bible commends older age and wants to, us to give the dignity and respect to those who are older. I haven't yet found a verse for those who have no hair. It just says here, grey hair. Uh, but I'm sure if you have no hair, or it w- once was grey, it's kind of double respect. <laughs> this picture really represents where Neil's going to go tonight with the psalm that we look at. Psalm 92 The righteous will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock. There's no wickedness in him. Uh, One of the things as a younger man, as a younger pastor, that is the biggest encouragement to me is when someone who's older than me, perhaps considerably older, really loves the Lord and is faithfully serving the Lord in their older years. Massive encouragement. And many of you are that encouragement to me and I'm sure to many others. But then as life goes on, here's the spiritual experience of many. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. Outwardly wasting away, but inwardly being renewed day by day. That's true too, isn't it? We all grow weaker and more frail outwardly as we grow older. But by God's grace, we can be renewed and strengthened inwardly. And some who are physically the most frail in this church are probably spiritually inside the strongest. That's testimony to that verse. And then, of course, if we begin life in the womb, the reality is we will all end life in a grave. Um, Psalm 31, verse 5. Wonderful recognition. My times, Lord, are in your hands. And actually, that's true for us all. We don't know how long we'll live, and we don't know when we will die. But that's a sort of spiritual life cycle of all of us. And I wonder where you are on that. And are you continuing to bear fruit as you grow older? But I want us to begin by considering what it means to have a heart for valuing um, those who are older. Just a few statistics just to paint the picture and, and set a bit of a context. 2001 was the first year in this country where there were more people over the age of 60 than under the age of 16. So we do live in an aging population. 
Um, some estimates reckon that by 2030, over 50% of the church will be over the age of 70. Um, I think that's probably more true in certain denominations than others, but as we grow older as a generation, as a population, um, ages will increase. You talk to people in the healthcare profession, as many of them in this church, you work in the NHS. There is obviously a legitimate and rising burden of caring for those in older age. A huge strain put on the NHS, and I think sometimes unhelpful expectations put on our doctors and nurses, where families perhaps at times could do a lot more, but choose not to. Um, I took part in some online um, research recently with an organisation called Forge Leadership. They were interviewing people in their 20s and 30s, Um, who were involved in positions of leadership in uh, education, in business, uh, in ministry. And this is something that shocked me when the results came back earlier this week. Um, One of the questions was, what matters most to you in your generation? And uh, one of the things was marking up um, how much respect you have for those of different age across the generations. And interestingly, for the people who answered this survey in their 20s and 30s, Having a care and respect for the older generation ranked really, really low in their priorities. It's not a good thing, but that's just the reality of this research. And also the experience that you meet some people who are older, and perhaps uh, this is you, you had a really vibrant, busy time in church when you were younger, helping at holiday clubs, helping at youth clubs, and now I've heard one or two say this, and it's sad, I've got nothing to offer anymore. People do say that. And the question then for us as a church and as individuals is, are we going to reinforce that lie? Yes, you've got nothing to offer, because you're old. (laughs) Of course we never say that, but do we live a life that perhaps supports that? Or do we challenge it, which we must challenge it, because it's a complete lie for any person here to be able to say, I've got nothing to offer. But actually, generally speaking in our culture, we do devalue those of older age. And actually it's nothing new. Here's a few interesting things Isaiah chapter 3 we read of the young rising up against the old go back to 400 years BC a man called Socrates who was a philosopher said this speaking of youths of his day uh, they love luxury they show disrespect for elders they love chatter in place of exercise they're tyrants not servants of their households they contradict their parents they tyrannize their teachers 400 BC just an observation. Or Peter the monk, a Frenchman in the 1100s, who said this, the world is passing through troublesome times. Young people of today think of nothing but themselves. They've got no reverence for old age. They're impatient of all restraint. They talk as if they know everything. And what passes for wisdom for us is foolishness to them. I don't want to demonize young people. And that's equally unhelpful. There are a lot of younger people who have a real heart for those who are older. But it's just evidence that actually this has been a sort of societal battle for generations, hundreds and hundreds of years. And we need to challenge it. And so we come to our verse. Stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Now what on earth does this verse really mean? And particularly what does it mean in the context of all those weird laws that were read that seem completely unrelated Well, Leviticus chapter 17 through to chapter 25, some people call the holiness code. It's a few chapters that speak, calling God's people to live a holy life, literally meaning a life that is set apart, that is different. And so these were laws that would uphold God's people and set them apart as distinctive from the culture around them. And they might seem rather bizarre, but in that particular culture, doing a thing or not doing a thing would show them to be different because they have a different God. 
If you just uh, look back to chapter 18, if you've got your Bible open. This is, I think, a really helpful few verses that set a context that will help us understand what seems to be a rather bizarre set of instructions. Chapter 18, I'll just read 1 to 5. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. See, that gives a bit of a context. And then as you read more carefully chapter 19, that at first reading seems rather bizarre, it's an outworking of those principles being distinctive. And actually, if you read those uh, verses carefully, each of them primarily are focused on having a care for those around us. And so it shouldn't surprise us that right in the middle of it, in verse 32, we have our verse that we're looking at here. But interestingly, the foundation for all of our relationships is the character of God. And we've looked at that a number of times. We've looked at that in terms of how do we have a heart for those who are hurting? How do we have a heart for those who are vulnerable or lost? The foundation for that is the character of God. And so as we are called to show respect for the elderly out of reverence to God, every act of showing that respect for the older generation is an act of respect for the God who made us and made those who are older. So just a little litmus test. Some in this church are brilliant at this. Perhaps some are not so good. Little litmus test for kind of how are you doing in terms of standing in the presence of those who are older. Just a few questions for you to ponder. Uh, End of a typical service on a Sunday here. What's your first conversation? Who's it with? Do you just make a beeline for someone who's just like you? Or perhaps if you're younger, would you make a deliberate effort to go and speak to someone who's older? If you're older, would you make a deliberate effort to speak to someone who's younger? little challenge. Second little thing. Uh, what's your attitude towards the seats in the coffee hall? Uh, they were set up a year or two ago because when the Children's Grand Prix starts up at the end of the service, uh, those who are sort of slightly less um, firm on their feet or want a quieter space or just want to sit down, it's a little space. But you see, what's our attitude as a church? Is that the corner for old people to sit with other old people? Or is it just a corner where some people can sit down who might need to sit down, where old and young can mix and share life and learn together? Yes, more older people sit down there because the children want to be involved in their Grand Prix and run about. Fine. But I just wonder, how is our attitude? Uh, We've looked a number of times, haven't we, in this little series. The challenge has been, uh, somebody else will. Somebody else will go and talk to that older person there. (laughs) Someone else will go and talk to that younger person over there. That's not an old people's corner, it's just some chairs in a corner, and sometimes older people sit there. What's our attitude towards those who sit there? Uh, Think about hospitality. Who was the last person you invited into your home? Were they the same age as you? Uh, What are you doing at Christmas? Just a few things to think about, not to sort of have a dig, but just for us to consider, what is my heart attitude towards those who are older? First conversation on a Sunday. The seat's in the coffee hall. Uh, hospitality it's just worth considering isn't it because these as we consider these things it's all acts of learning to value those who perhaps are different to ourselves 
Well, a heart for valuing those who are older. What about a heart for caring? And this little area here runs a risk of two things. First of all, it runs the risk of a sort of unhelpful stereotype in the sense that sort of all old people need care. And it also runs a risk that as a younger man speaking to many who are older than me, it can come across as rather patronizing. Um, So I don't seek to do that. And so what I want to do here is speak in very much in generalization. And if by God's grace, these things don't apply to you and you're older, that's just a wonderful thing. But these are general principles that I think would be true of many who grow older and would be worth considering. Growing older for many people is a time of loss. Of course, uh, many will experience the loss of physical ability and perhaps later mental ability. Um, The writer of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 12, speaking of maybe the uh, teeth that decay and eyes that grow dimmer, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. Just an experience of growing older that many people will go through. But it's a time of loss, isn't it? Uh, Many older people will lose dear friends. Uh, Many older people will lose a dear spouse. And generally speaking, that will happen in our later years. If by God's grace we're given years to live. It's a time of loss too in terms of identity. Sadly, and this is particularly true for men, but probably for all of us, we put far too much of our identity in what we do in paid employment. So when we stop paid employment, we have a bit of an identity crisis. Who am I? It's worth considering now if you're still working. But I have heard people in this church with great sadness said, I've got nothing to offer anymore. Um, These are the words of John Stott, uh, the famous um, Anglican minister who did a great deal of good work for the Lord over many years. He was a great faithful servant in the Anglican church. And he said this, I knew I had to prepare for eternity, but no one told me I had to prepare for getting old. And he said that as an older man. I've met other men and other women who have struggled with a lack of assurance in their older years. And many of them are men and women of great faith. And it's not a crisis of faith, but as they near the end of their life, often when people are in hospital and potentially facing death, will just struggle with that assurance. How can I be really sure? Maybe I sometimes feel that God has abandoned me. And so actually for many people who grow older, it will be a time of loss. And we just need to be aware of that as a church and to love those who might be experiencing some of those things. The other other thing to consider is that for many growing older, growing older is a time of loneliness. I think the upward mobility of my generation, which means we all sort of spread out and do our own thing with opportunities everywhere, is a wonderful thing, but it's a terrible thing. Because as families spread out, less and less we're able to care for each other in a way that perhaps happened better two generations ago. There are a lot of lonely people. You come to the day centre that Andrea Camden runs here during the week. When you speak to some of those very elderly people, some of them say that they speak to nobody in the week apart from who they speak to when they come to the day centre. I think that's utterly criminal. Terrible. And I can't have concern for everybody, it's impossible. Let's at least start in the church. And there will be some in the church who are older, who are on their own, and they won't have a lot of contact with other people through the week. And that's totally wrong, and we've got to address it. And this will make you laugh. This is a stupid thing, a silly thing, a laughable thing, but actually there's a serious point. Do you know that... As human beings, because we're made in the image of God and we're made to relate, um, physical contact is hugely important. Well, uh, in Japan, the Japanese are famed for having an aging population and are famed for all things weird and wonderful. It's a wonderful part of their rich culture. Well, something that's really weird, 
not sure it's wonderful, but very weird. In 2012 in Tokyo, um, they established the world's first cuddle cafe. There's nothing um, weird about it. It's not sexual in any way. But it's cafes where you can pay and go in some sort of room or booth and have physical contact with another human being. It's bizarre. But it's kind of not bizarre. Because if you're a person who has had no physical contact with someone for a long, long, long time, you can see why that kind of contact with people might be really uh, nice for you. It's rather bizarre and probably not hugely helpful, but it's just the reality Uh, And these cuddle cafes are actually springing up everywhere. You can train in America to become a professional cuddler. (laughs) Ten hours of training and then you're allowed to cuddle other people. It's rather bizarre. (laughs) And if you think these weird and wacky things are things that happen overseas, the first cuddle cafe is now opened in London. McVitie's, the biscuit manufacturer, has opened a cuddle cafe. They reckon that physical contact is so important that if you walk into the McVitie's cuddle cafe in London, you can have a free coffee if you cuddle one of their giant teddy bears because it will make you feel better. We live in rather bizarre times. But actually there's a serious point behind this. People need physical contact, a hug, to laugh with someone, someone to talk to. And these rather bizarre things that are springing up around it are a symptom of actually a problem we can address as a church. Here's a little testimony from um, Steve and Kate Taylor. Steve and Kate run our ministry down at Meadowcroft. Um, the care home down uh, in Tame, the residential home, that um, is a home for about 70 people. Uh, many of you will know others in our church family who've been there, who are there. Um, I wanted to interview Steve and Kate today. It's a wonderful ministry they run, and they go along with their two daughters, um, Rosie and Sophie. And they're on holiday, so I asked them a few questions. This is what they would have said if they had stood here this morning. I asked them a few questions. I said, what do you enjoy about Meadowcroft? They said, well, there's a few things. I love hearing Graham sing so heartily. If you know who Graham is, it's wonderfully encouraging to see him sing so heartily even with some of the health issues he struggles with. Uh, Steve said there's a common sense of purpose, being able and allowed to bring something of the heart of God to a largely unknown group of people, knowing that at least some of them appreciate us being there and that it's a real blessing to them. That's why he does it. Uh, Speaking to the rest of the family, I asked some of them, what do you find challenging? They said, well, finding hymns they know is challenging, and some of the residents let us know when we haven't succeeded. (laughs) And then Steve said, the fact that I hardly know any of the residents well enough to speak into their lives makes it difficult. And time is short. It's really sobering to know that every Sunday might be the last. But equally, what an opportunity that brings. I asked him, was it like you as a whole family? So here you've got two younger daughters who are involved in that ministry to those who are older. And they said, in our previous church, we were involved in a tea for those with special needs. It's something we did as a whole family. It brought us together. It's very similar with Meadowcroft. The residents enjoy seeing the younger people, our daughters, and they enjoy seeing the care and concern we have for them. It's great for our family, too, to step outside our comfort zone. Just a few little testimonies of a couple in this church who have a real heart for those who are older and who are really blessed by serving at Meadowcroft, as well as knowing that that is a blessing to them. Now, of course, we can't all serve at Meadowcroft, but perhaps others can. But the little challenge for you this week, perhaps if you're not as old as others are, is what could you do this week to care for someone who's older? And even if you're older, what could you do to care for someone who's older? Of course, there'll be some negative things you'll have to overcome. Um, As we've seen, caring for the vulnerable, caring for the hurting, perhaps caring for the older, uh, those who are older, it's costly. It'll cost you your time, often free time, where you might like to be doing something else. 
What a wonderful use of time. Uh, Sometimes it can cost you patience. Sitting with someone who's older might require you, if you're younger, to have great patience. But actually, for an older person sitting with a younger person who's talking at a million miles an hour and running around at a million miles an hour takes great patience too. It takes patience to talk to anyone who's different to ourselves. But beyond that, there aren't many negatives. It just is costly. But we mustn't be a people who say, well, someone else will do that. What a joy to be able to do it. And here are some reasons positively why you might want to spend some time intentionally this week in blessing someone who's older. As we've already heard in this service, how amazingly blessed you could be from learning from the wisdom of those of older years. And take Marjorie Chapel. I think she's turning 100 in January. She's in Meadowcroft. Have you ever gone to Meadowcroft and sat down with Marjorie? A hundred years of experience to share with anybody here. Wonderful to sit down and ask her about her life. What's gone well? What's been difficult? What's she learned? How's God been faithful to her? She's been walking with the Lord for probably longer than anybody here. Amazing wisdom. Ask for advice. The chances are someone older has been where you've been. And either made mistakes and learned from it, or been successful and learned through it that way. Learn, learn to ask for advice from those who are older. Uh, enjoy the sense of humour of older people. It's wonderful when, particularly, sort of mental or physical frailty comes in, and older folk people still have an amazing ability to sort of laugh at themselves. A lightness to life. Some people are just too serious, and many of our older generation have got a brilliant sense of humour. Uh, Marjorie's one of them. She'll make you laugh, and she's nearly a hundred. Um, many older people are great storytellers. And interestingly, younger people love stories. <laughs> Connection, maybe? Uh, a little initiative that Wellesley and, and Nathan have been working on, which is really encouraging, is this little accountability buddy thing, where they're getting younger people in the church to choose an older person in the church who they want to pray for them. Isn't that amazing? And there are older people in the church who are faithfully praying for the guys who are out there at S-Club. And some of the S-Club people have chosen the older people to pray for them. Wonderful way of mixing the generations and learning from each other. Well, a heart for caring for the older people and a heart for valuing older people. As I come to a close, I want to anchor all of that in the heart of God himself. Because at the end of the day, you and I won't have a heart that values those who are older... And we won't have a heart that can care for those who are older until our hearts have been changed by the love of God. And so I just want us to close by reflecting on this one verse that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in John chapter 15. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. I don't want to say a lot about that verse because I think it speaks for itself. And we hear a lot about the love of God and a lot about the gospel in this church, and rightly so. So just take all that we understand of that and think about that particular verse. And as I close, and then there'll just be a chance for some quiet reflection before we sing and close our service together. Just little three three little questions for you to consider yourself. What I'd love you to do is to think of one older person that you know. It could be in the church family, it could be a neighbour, it could be an elderly relative who lives somewhere else in the country or even abroad. But just think of that one person. I want you to think of one way that God has loved you in Jesus. Consider the verse at the top. 
And then I'd love you to think of one way this week that you will love that older person as God has loved you. I'm just going to leave that on the screen for us to ponder, for us to consider, perhaps to pray about. And in a few moments' time, uh, we'll close with a couple of songs. But friends, let us have a heart that values those who are older. Let us have a heart that cares for those who are older. And let's pray that the heart for those things would come from having a heart that's transformed ourselves by a love of God. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Let's take a moment. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on the extraordinary love that you have for us, as we consider all that Jesus Christ gave up to give his life that we might be free, we pray this week that you would grow within us an increasing heart that longs to love those in their older years as you have loved us, a heart that is sacrificial, a heart that is patient, a heart that is selfless. And Lord, we're conscious we all need your spirit to change us. So please be at work in us this week and remind us regularly of that one person we considered earlier. Please remind us regularly of how you have loved us. And please prompt us to love them as you have loved us. And we pray all this for the glory of Jesus and in his strength. Amen. Amen.